Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Darren Driver, the LUTV of the podcast, sold as part of the membership and then immediately rendered obsolete. And I'm I'm joined by Josh Hobbs, the live now of the podcast. You uh, definitely can't Chromecast him to your telly without him breaking, no matter how much he costs. And finally... The 4,000th hole in Blackburn, Lancashire of the podcast. It's Tom Woodhead. Tom, how are you doing? Did you uh, perhaps forget to buy Blackburn tickets for any of your mates? Yeah, um, I mean, that was just a day in life for me, Darren, uh, forgetting something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Excellent. You all right, Tom? Yeah, not too bad. It was it was nice to um, get back to watching football because I managed to get tickets uh, for me uh, not and one of my mates. Uh, and we had a lovely time on a minibus and a lovely time in Ewood Park uh, in a group of 5,000 Leeds fans with probably fewer Blackburn fans than that dotted around the stadium. It was quite a surreal experience, really. Excellent. Uh, there can't be many people that said they've had a nice day at Ewood Park. I mean, not even <laughs> Blackburn fans, I wouldn't imagine. Hobbsy, how are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. It was um, yeah, good to good to watch Leeds again after... Um, after a summer of trying to get excited about England and uh, and all that, so yeah, good to watch. Uh, it was quite funny watching the um, <clears throat> the live now stream yesterday. Where I particularly enjoyed just before the game, where Bryn threw to an interview with with uh, Strauch. And said, Let's hear now from Pascal Strauch. Throws him just complete no audio at all. He's just chatting away, <laughs> just nothing. It's like wow, they've really pulled out all the stops for this. Even worse when he's actually said the name of the broadcaster in that statement as well, and then immediately <laughs> is not live now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and and I suppose it's just worth saying that yeah, it's worth reflecting on the fact that the, the friendlies, which have always been on on LUTV, have have now been moved to a. Away from LUTV to a, to a, a private a private streaming service, which although it's owned by Rad Rizani, it just seems to me to be a bit of a a bit of a shitty and cynical move. That and I'm I'm not going to kind of bang on about it or ever mention it again. But I just thought it was worth um, just saying that. And I don't know if either of you have got anything you want to say. Or should we just move on? Well, there will be some people who will say, "Oh, it's his money. He, you know, he's put his money into the club. He can do what he wants." And to them, I say, "Fuck off." Yeah, I I, I second Tom Woodhead's statement there. Um, But it is Tom Woodhead's statement, and retweet is not necessarily endorsement, is it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, (laughs) in other news, um, Leif Davis has has gone to Bournemouth. What do you make of that, Hobbsy? Yeah, interesting. So, I I maybe wasn't expecting that it would be uh, a loan with an option to buy, which which it it is. but I'm not that surprised either. Like I think he he first got into the first team in 2018-19, didn't he? When he he came in um, uh, came in for, as a, for a surprise debut against uh, Aston Villa, 
and he he's just never really kicked on like he's got like two appearances a season for the last three uh three seasons and I, I think that's yeah he needs to go and get regular game time now and I think if he was going to be an actual backup option for us then he would have played more already so you know uh, hope I hope he goes and does well I don't know what the actual option I, I didn't read what the actual option is has that been made public I don't think they said how much it was no I imagine it won't be a lot, but it feels like a really big opportunity for him to me. Like I would have thought he would have gone and loan to maybe a lower championship club, but to go mm. to go to a team who are fighting for promotion, um, that feels like quite a big deal for him. So you know, it'd be interesting to see how he does. I'm not sure what they're going to play because they've got a. If they play a four, they've got an, a very established left back um, already. Uh, I say that and I've instantly forgotten his name but they paid a good amount of money for him from Bristol City a couple of seasons ago Um, but they played a three at the back sometimes and he did the sort of ailing thing where he filled in as the wide centre-back but on the left so if they want to play with a five then Davis could be the wing-back and he he could play inside as the left centre-back. And it's also been reported that um, Christopher Clarsen's in the UK uh, at the moment, quarantine, and and that his work permit's been approved. That and that, that basically the the deal for him's done, barring the miracle, uh, bar, barring the, med- the medical, the miracle, medical miracle. <laughs> Depends which one you want. To Maybe choose, he really. needs a miracle to be good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, and it is quite unusual to have two such young keepers. I think um, at the club, isn't it? So, have you got any thoughts about that from a squad build, a squad building point of view, Tom? Um, it's one of those where I, I personally don't mind it. I know you in the past have said you'd rather have an experienced backup keeper, but that almost feels like a little bit of a waste of money to me when they hardly ever play and you could have someone on probably less money who you've paid less money for who could potentially develop into a first choice keeper at some point down the road. So I, I think, you know, if Melier were to get some really bad long-term injury, then in January, we could bring someone in like who's more experienced because they, they'd know that they're going to play for six months. Um, so it would be an easier sell, I think. So I, I actually don't mind it. And, and Hobbsy, you've, you've kind of already answered this question with one of your snarky little remarks earlier. But um, is is Clarsen ready for the first team yet? Do you think? <laughs> to be fair, I was only I was only joking there. But I mean, I think uh, yeah. Uh, I think he will be a very good goalkeeper from what I've seen of him, but I, I can't claim at all to be a, a goalkeeper expert. But I just, I've just i watched Klaassen, um a fair bit anyway because I've watched Valerenga a lot. Um, but we, So we've got um, a report coming out very soon uh, that we've commissioned from uh, somebody who I know who is a goalkeeper coach and he thinks he's got high potential but... He's not at the Premier League level at this point in time. Um, but maybe we don't necessarily... Like, if Melier stays fit, it doesn't matter. Um, so if it, maybe if he had to play a couple of games here and there, it wouldn't be a big issue. But I think if if he had to play, like, 10 games or something like that, then maybe I'd, I'd be a bit nervous. But hopefully that, that won't have to happen. And in a few seasons' time, he'll be at... He'll be a top keeper. Like I think uh, a few people have sort of said he's got like Europa League level sort of uh, quality. So that sort of sixth, seventh, eighth in the league sort of type position. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with that. I think that at the moment he doesn't <clears throat> doesn't strike me as somebody who's ready for the first team right now. But I also agree that I think he, as I said on this podcast before, that he looks like someone with really really high potential. Uh, in other transfer news, it seems like uh, Conor Gallagher's going to choose Crystal Palace rather than than coming to Leeds. Uh, Hobbsy, what do you make of that? Yeah, I, I that was what I expected when I first saw that link. I I, I tweeted about that saying that, that I expected that it would all be sort of rendered moot because Palace just makes a better um better sense for Gallagher's career if if he's not if he's coming in a permanent deal or alone with a option to buy then it makes more sense to choose Leeds be ambitious uh and play yeah play under Bielsa but if it's just a temporary one season thing which is what this seems to be the most important thing that he'll want is just to play as many games in the Premier League as he can. 
So I'm not surprised that he, he's going to go to Palace, where the the route to the to the starting spot is is, is there. Um, I thought it was weird from Leeds' perspective. I'm not sure why we were pursuing this this deal in the first place. Uh, Bielsa, um, sorry, Phil Hay said just in a reply to a tweet to someone, just Bielsa rates him highly. It's like I rate him highly, but that doesn't mean I think it's a smart deal for for Leeds because. Yeah, I'd I'd love to know what the thinking was. Like, was it that we just wanted a short-term solution because we thought that next season bait would be ready to play lots of games, or or what? Um, that I I don't know if you I don't think you've got this in the running order, but we've um, just been or we were already linked with Jens Kajusta from Midtjylland, and I think that the Sun <laughs> obviously we don't particularly. We don't particularly uh, go for the sun for our uh, good rumours, but uh, they've linked us with Jenska Uster as well. So um, that's one that I would like. He's 21. I think he'd be ready to play for us already, uh, but he would also maybe not expect to come in and start loads this season, but he could take on a big starting role in the future. So I hope that that happens. And, and we need to see the midfield signing coming pretty soon, don't we, Hobbsy, I think? Yeah, I, I would like I would like to ha- I would like to have had it done already, but I, I mean I guess we all would. But transfer windows are, are funny things. Like, I think maybe we thought something would have happened that didn't didn't happen. Okay, so um, today we've got a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I think I thought we'd briefly chat about the the Geisley friendly, um, have a bit of a review of the Blackburn game, and then we've got a big discussion point to to bring the the podcast to a close. So we've actually got a, a fair bit to to get through today. So let's let's start with with Geisley. So um, Tom, it was it was a it was pretty much the twenty threes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was entirely apart from Forshaw coming on uh, for that last half hour. I was possibly expecting to see something a bit more hybrid. Um, and I th- I still think we might have seen that if we'll talk about this later. But if we assume that Bamford, Cooper and Perveda are all injured in some way, like whether that's little knocks or slightly more long term things, I think we cause, because Bielsa, Bielsa likes the players to play. 90 minutes if possible in pre-season for these friendlies I think we probably would have seen a bit more of a a melding of the under 23s and, and the first team but it seeing as the first team is depleted by the absence of Phillips and you know those those three players who, who might be injured it sort of seemed to make sense to do it this way um sort of meant that it didn't feel like there was that much we could take from Geisley because it was just like watching an under-23s game. And Hobsey, were there any any standout performers for you during the match? Yeah, I I thought so. I I would say the one thing that I took from it was the fact that they were playing mostly against uh, more physically developed players than they might normally play up against in the PL2. Um, however, vastly inferior technical players. So, uh, so that made for a, quite a funny game because um, someone like Somerville was completely standout, as was Gelhart before he went off. But because they're so good at dribbling and beating players one on one, and they're even though they, these are big, big lads that they're coming up against, they can't handle it in one v one defending. So. Uh, they were getting tied up in knots and it, it felt like quite a lot of the game was just us just dribbling until we got fouled on the edge of the box uh, and then Greenwood getting four free kicks to get his eye in before he uh, banged one in the top corner, which was obviously lovely to see again. But um, yeah, Somerville was good. I thought Amari Miller, uh, it was nice to see him. Uh, for for the first time, and I like the look of him. Actually, I think I think he's uh, he's seemed good and direct as well. Not as sort of uh, agile as as Somerville, but I, he's quite well built. So I think that might sort of um, serve him well a bit more going forwards uh, in the future. And I thought that it was nice to see Liam McCarran at left back because that was one of the questions. I think of Huggins is not there. Uh, and he was never really a natural left back anyway, 
um, it's interesting to see that maybe we're trying to convert McCarran into a left back, and I thought he thought he did well. That was good to good to see that. And just remind us what position he was playing before Hobbsy. Uh, I think he was sort of a he was a like a midfielder, sometimes seen on the wing. Um, but yeah, like feel like we've decided that's his future. The the thing that I really noticed, um, you, you know, talking about the physical um, stature of the players was. Over the last like year and a half or so, Charlie Cresswell has turned into an absolute mm. unit, hasn't he? Like yeah. it feels like even even over the summer, he's he's kind of he's definitely looking like a a mature player who's ready to play adult football now. Mm. There's a scout that I know, um, not a Leeds fan, but he he watches um, he watches a lot of the under twenty threes Leeds games because it's it's hard to watch under twenty threes games. Uh, and we're one of the few that makes it freely available. And he tweeted saying Charlie Cresswell will will play for England one day. Um, I, th- I think a few of us think that. Yeah, and you, you retweeted that, and that was an endorsement, wasn't it, Hubsy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that one was an, an, an endorsement. Yeah. Um, but as long term listeners to this podcast will know, the, there was only really one main event from the Geisley game, and that was the the the, the most recent return, the second return of uh, of Adam Forshaw. So, so Tom, how did it feel to see Forshaw t- get some minutes again? Yeah, it was. Uh... It was nice. I mean, I, I, I remember watching the slight return, uh, as, as Jimmy would have put it, um, uh, towards the end of last season. And it was a shame to see him going off with a hamstring strain or whatever he did then. But he, he kind of, he was looking good. His passing was mostly good. A few sloppy sloppy balls as well. But you kind of expect that when someone hasn't played a game of football for two years. So uh, he looked physically fairly sharp defense he put in some really good tackles uh, his positioning was great he, he's obviously still got that awareness of what's going on around him on a football pitch that I think is the attribute that that can make him such a useful player when he is fit um so I, I thought it was a you know it was a decent first start and possibly telling that they did 30 minutes rather than trying to push him and uh, do a full half or 60 minutes as they did last time now we've got these pre-season games it probably does make sense to ease him in as slowly as possible rather than risking breaking him again sure Hobbsy how did you think he did yeah I, I'm similarly to, to Tom I think I think he played well um he he just he looks like how I expect him to play where he's got the, that sort of smooth body movements where he'll he'll get the ball and just uh like quickly move to one side where he drops a shoulder and then plays a five yard pass away uh, to to another midfield player or out to the fullback, those kinds of things that you expect from him, where he just uses possession really well. And <laughs> having watched the Blackburn game, uh, I don't, uh, yeah, we don't have that player in our midfield uh, without Forshaw. But yeah, be interesting to see how we, um, yeah, manage his load going forwards because, as Tom said, obviously just gave him half an hour does that mean we'll give him 45 minutes in the next one or will we give him a few different experiences of half an hour and then because I think they went too quickly with him last time I didn't expect him to play as long as he played before he came off with that hamstring injury yeah should have given it another six months or so (laughs) (laughs) well yeah obviously he must be feeling like I just want to get back but also that you know they all know how I couldn't come back. From, <laughs> I couldn't come back from like a month out of an injury, let alone two years out. But obviously, he's a professional athlete that's kept himself super fit. But it's just a different kind of explosiveness, isn't it? Absolutely. Hobbsy, project yourself nine months nine months into the future. Um, what what will Adam Forshaw's season look like? Do you think? <laughs> I mean, obviously, the dream scenario is that he's. He's contributing to Leeds' midfield again, and he's an option for us. I don't know if that's realistic. Like, I, I feel that I feel that he should probably hope to play six months of under twenty threes football, mm. and then maybe go on on loan in the EFL with the hope that he would get get a contract somewhere else for for next season but i mean i know that's that's not as uh optimistic as uh as we uh would have maybe said a while ago but 
like I just said, two years out, it's just such a long time. Mm. And to get back to being in the level for a team that is trying to finish in the top half of the Premier League, that's really hard. But I hope I hope that I'm wrong and I hope it's the first one, but... Give us something more positive than that, Tom. Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, first of all, you just hope that he stays fit for the whole season and that would be a massive achievement after what he's gone through. Uh, and beyond that, I do feel that if he proves that he can stay fit, he will get chances in the Cups and he will... I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't be the player who's coming on for the last 10, 15 minutes of games when we need to slow things down a bit. That's if, you know, he demonstrates that he can play, you know, six, seven under 23s games in a row without breaking down. And it's a big if, but the, it, there's, there's almost no point in the question if you're going to make it all about fitness, because we know when it comes to Adam Forshaw and fitness, it's pointless making predictions. So, you know, assuming that he stays fit, um, I'd, I, I wouldn't be hugely shocked if he, if he plays some part in the first team. Probably not a huge part, but it would be nice to see him at least making some kind of a contribution. I'm all in on the dream, mate. I, 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 I hope that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, I said absolutely for you there, Hobbs. You can have that one for free. <laughs> um, okay, so last night Leeds played a friendly away at Ewood Park um, and I noticed it was a one-all draw, as we all know, and I noticed on, on Twitter that was there was a bit of grumbling about the result and, and it kind of got me thinking about you know, kind of what what the purpose of of preseason is re- is really because um, it's not really about results, is it? So, so Tom, what do you think preseason's for? I think it di- it differs depending on whether you've got a new manager or not. I think I think if a new manager's just come into a club, then it takes on a, a much greater level of importance because that's obviously the time when they they actually are able to spend a significant amount of hours on the training ground drilling the players and instructing them in detail as to what they want and especially in leagues like the championship or for example a, a team that would be playing in the premier league and in europe um they there's just no time during a season to do anything remotely detailed on the training ground so it's super important um for new managers but then for someone like uh, the situation like we have at leeds where bielsa's you know coming into his fourth season I think it is more just about fitness and about trying the odd little tweak just to see what happens. And I think Bielsa's a big fan of that, uh, just throwing in something that's a little bit wacky because he just has this idea in the back of his mind that maybe it might work. Uh, For example, Costa up front, I I don't think we would think it did work particularly well, but I I suspect that that was a kind of thing where he thought, uh, if all my strikers are injured, I've tried Harrison up front, it's not really worked, so... You know, let's see how Costa does. Um, and similar with Shackleton at right back, I think that's that's another thing where let's give him ninety minutes in that position um, in a situation where we don't have to win three points, so we can really have a proper look at him. So I, I guess they would be the two things. You know, getting up to fitness and then um, trying out tactical ideas, whether that means a complete overhaul or just sprinkling new things into the mix. I, I always think it, it's mostly about just getting sharpness and getting whether that being fitness but also it like familiarity in playing together and just little things like seeing them players try little one twos and stuff and it not quite coming off last night um it's about sort of getting out those little crinkles so tom what what was the feeling in in the ground last night it was it was great. I mean, it was just great to be in a big crowd of people singing lead songs, and um, it was probably somewhere in between what I would normally expect a preseason atmosphere to be like and a league game, because obviously most of these people hadn't been to any live football since the start of the pandemic. So, and I, I hadn't, I hadn't been since the Huddersfield game where Ailing scored that worldie. So, uh, it was just um, quite jubilant, um, light-hearted, I guess. Uh, no, I don't think anyone was super bothered about the result apart from the couple of lads behind me who were moaning about Costa and Roberts all game um Roberts was good yeah I thought Roberts was good but he, he could he could do no right in the opinion of this bloke behind me but um yeah it, it, it was just nice um the the Blackburn crowd was almost completely silent all match apart from when they scored and and then there was this almost like comical uh raw because it just come from absolute nowhere and 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 
I don't think you could really see on the uh, on on all the replays I've seen of their goal. You don't see how big the deflection was. Like, but from the angle we were at, it was absolutely massive. Like it was it was a complete freak of a goal. So it was even funnier, kind of seeing that uh, raucous reaction when it was just an absolute nothing goal. He really celebrated for a. Uh, I've never seen anyone do a knee slide in a preseason game before <laughs> either. I, mean, I thought, wow, he's. This means a lot to him. It was. I, th- I did think it was nice of Blackburn to play in Newell's in a Newell's old boys kit. Um, <laughs> it was a mark of respect to Marcelo. It's a pretty, it, it, it really shows, doesn't it? That it was. It was very much um, our game. We were in our brand new home kit. They had to change their kit. It was streamed on our on our uh, owners' streaming service. Like this was very much us sort of putting our. Um, our place in the uh, pyramid above them like i am sort of interested in how these friendlies come together like what the processes that ended up with us playing a friendly against blackburn rovers like is bielsa suggesting teams that he maybe thinks might be a a good fit or is it just all an administrative thing that's coming from you know Kinnear and, and people like that i i, I, I don't think i don't expect either to have any answers about it, but it is quite an interesting question as how these opponents get selected. I reckon he will. He would have a. Uh, I reckon he would have some kind of involvement in that at least. I know Mowbray and Bielsa are quite chummy, aren't they? But Mowbray yeah. tends to be giving him a lot of gushing prayers after the matches. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought Blackburn were quite pressy at times in the first half, and kind of I thought I thought maybe there was something for us to take from that. In, in that they were they were definitely trying to get in the face of our defenders, especially in the first fifteen minutes. So maybe the, that was maybe that was part of the reason. I don't know. There's obviously the Chilean collection, the Chilean connection as well. The Bielsa and uh, Ben is it Brereton? Brereton Diaz. Yeah, I only know him as Diaz. There was a I don't know if you saw it on the telly, but there was a Chilean flag with Diaz on it in the uh, in the one of the empty stands. Go out of your way to watch the um, watch his Pepsi advert. That's just. Just come out. He's done a Pepsi advert for Chilean TV. It's tremendous. So I know that chants chants aren't really the kind of forte of this podcast, but I just want can we just put put to bed forever the junior Furpo plays for United with Diego Urente? Oh yeah, it was shit, man. Like like they, and people kept trying <laughs> to make it happen. People seem to be enjoying it, but it, you know may, maybe maybe I'm a snob, but I think that the amount of syllables in a chant is important. You can't just go around putting random players' names in them. It's got a scan on it. It's got a scan, Tom. Um, so, Hobsey, did we learn anything on the football level from this game? <laughs> um, I think what I learned is that we, if we don't have Bamford playing in the game, then we must have Roberts or, or Rodrigo playing there. Uh, just, I did, just didn't. I, I guess we were just trying a, I don't know, we were trying a what happens if we don't have them available sort of situation, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. I, I, I got a bit of a, people saying that I was moaning on Twitter. I mean, I always am moaning on Twitter, so, you know, it's, it is true. Um, but I did not like that little, it, I felt it was Costa up front, but it was sort of like rotating through Rodrigo and, um, a little bit of Harrison and I think Rafinha was there for two minutes or something. And it was just a little bit like, I didn't like it because we didn't have a focal point. We didn't have anyone pulling their center backs around. Um, and that was my feeling of where well, I was just saying to when Tom said about that guy, uh, moaning about Roberts, I felt that when Roberts came on it was the first time we saw that happen a little bit. Um, but apart from that, it's hard to really learn much isn't it? And it's not like we don't know already. We're not quite as good when Patrick Bamford doesn't play. I think I think we already knew that. We learnt that when, with Eddie and Ketia. And how did uh, Junior Furpo do, Tom? It was his, his debut. I thought he was really good. Um, he From the bits I'd seen before this game, I don't think I was expecting his sort of play in tight areas to be as good as it seemed to be in this game. There were quite a few little intricate moves that he did where he linked up with Harrison really nicely on the left and just a very promising performance I thought they didn't I don't think he really made any serious mistakes he his passing was good he was getting forward he looks very athletic um I thought he was yeah really as I say a really pro- pro- promising start mm. Hobsey 
Yeah, I, I liked him. I think I thought that he would just naturally come in and be making loads of marauding runs outside and, and attacking the byline uh, just because I've watched him do that in the past. But um, And I thought, well, that's just naturally going to fit with us. But I think there was a, perhaps a little bit of nervousness of him knowing that he had to fit in with some other tactical uh, instructions. So I think he was maybe trying to learn the things that don't come as naturally to him. So he was slightly limiting that side of it. That that's what I guess what I'm presuming. But I'm sure that 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 those runs and that um, yeah the overlapping and the low crosses that I put in my scout report of him and in the video, uh, I'm sure we will see those that will that will come. But uh, I think this was just a little bit of settling in sort of game. Yeah, he did it a few times, didn't he? There were a couple of times yeah, and towards did, the end of the first half where he got forward and and what what I saw for him playing for Betis is like a player that would sort of arrives like a steam train that on the left and uh, you you didn't see that. You saw him getting into the box a little bit, but it's it was like he has incredible timing of those runs and. I uh, didn't see that last night, but I'm, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. And Hobbs, it was uh, it was really nice to see Jamie Shackleton in the in the team last night and and, and playing well. Yeah, I'm always happy to see see Jamie in the team. Always happy to see him um, playing as he does. As I said in our um, group chat earlier, it's just, he just has intensity uh, in the way that he plays. Everything he does is quick and sharp, and uh, he, if he's trying to win the ball he's all over his opponents and then when he's got the ball he's he's scurrying up the pitch and he's is everything he does is at pace uh i would l- like to see him in midfield more than i like to see him at, uh right back but um i think i guess he was more needed at, at right back uh last night and i hope that he stays fit if he stays fit then he he can he can contribute this season and Tom, how did uh, Robin Cock do in the DM role last night? I thought he was great. I thought um, him and Click were the be- our best two players. Uh, I probably thought Click was slightly better, but Cock, um, it didn't. I don't think it noticeably weakened as not having Phillips there, and that's not that's that's in praise of Cock rather than saying that Phillips isn't great because he is obviously great in that position. But um, his his long passing isn't as good as Phillips, I don't think, but he seems to have most of the other defensive attributes that that are needed. Like his positioning's very good. Um, he he tracks people well, and I thought his short passing was very good yesterday as well. He played some uh, very uh, subtle and clever little balls forward, and uh, yeah. At this point, um, it's not a huge amount of evidence that we've had seeing him play that position, but from what I've seen, I don't really have any worries about us not having. That, that dedicated back up to Phillips, I'd be pretty happy for Cox to fill that role this season. And what, what do you see Cox robing uh, the, this season, Tom? Because obviously we, we signed him and we thought he was going to be our first choice centre-back and then he, he picked up the injury and, and it seems he's been used in a midfield berth more since then. So how do you see the season panning out for him? I know you haven't got a crystal ball or anything. but I, th- I think he'll start the season um, either in defensive midfield or on the bench, def- depending on uh, whether Phillips is deemed fit enough to come back straight in for the Man United game um, because just because Llorente is the one who has the shirt and I don't, I don't think there have been any hugely compelling reasons to drop him recently so I think Llorente will start the season I think there's more of a discussion to be had as to whether it's Strauch or Cooper who partners him uh, but but yeah I think Cock will start on the bench and possibly Start on the bench, I to say, or or coming in for Phillips, and it'll go from there. But you know, Urente's injury record isn't exactly spotless, is it? So I'm sure he'll also have chances to play in de- in central defence. Hobbsy, tell me about Jack Harrison's performance last night. So I thought he looked sharp. Yeah, I, d- I didn't think too much of him in the first half, but then the second half, I thought he looked like probably I thought he was our best player in the second half. Although I'd agree that probably overall Click was uh, was the best player, but. He just, I think he, in that second half, he suddenly looked a lot sharper than than everybody else. He saw a few uh, really nice, uh, nice first touches, but not just like where he's like killed it dead. Like he took down uh, some switch passes, and then he beat his man and got across, got across in. I think I can think of at least two examples of that. 
and it was just a bit of a shame that we didn't have anyone attacking the six yard box on on either occasion really but uh yeah always good to see um i think harrison's looked good in uh i think he looked good in the pre-season before um we got promoted uh and then he started last season really really well um so yeah I, i hope i hope he kicks on again it'd be amazing if Harrison basically has like four seasons of just solid development. He just seems to be on an upward trajectory. I hope it continues. Yeah, I think um, Harrison's first touch is quite an interesting subject, isn't it? Because I think every, it, the kind of wider view of it is that he's got an amazing first touch, which I agree with. But I think you've said in, in the past, Hobzine, correct me if, if I'm misquoting you here, but but sometimes when he kills the ball so dead that it can actually box him in uh, at yeah, times. Yeah, I, I do think that. So... Um, there's a couple of examples where Rafinha was playing on the left, particularly thinking of the Southampton uh, home game where the ball got switched to him a few times and he would take a touch, but he would get it. It would immediately get out of his feet and he would burst past people. Um, and yeah, Harrison sometimes takes that first touch and then it means that he has to stop and then defenders set themselves, whereas Rafinha's touch takes him past the defender before they've even had any opportunity to to try and like get a, a wide base to to defend from and stop them going past yeah it was because la- last night there were a few occasions where Harrison took that first touch where he where he he did kill it but he also put it in a position where he could make his next move which I thought was was really good to see yeah yeah um okay Hobbsy, you've got a chance to have your soapbox about anything else that happened uh, in the Black Blackburn game last night. So over to you. What 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 thoughts were percolating around from it? Yeah, I, I've sort of already said one of them, which was just about I, I'd rather see us, um, I guess, even play one of of Gail Hart or, or Greenwood <laughs> up front uh, instead of playing an an out of position winger. Uh, but, however, I think Gelhart was... Obviously, that they played a game the night before. Gelhart picked up a knock, um, uh, and Greenwood had just played... Um, yeah, just played 90 minutes the night before. Um, so, yeah, the other thing is, up Aveda, Cooper and Bamford injured? What's going on there? I, I would love to just know, know what's happened there. Like, it, have they just got a knock and we've just gone, OK... This is the first friendly game. We don't need to risk anyone that's got a knock. They can play later in the week, or or, or what's going on. I, I I think I don't. If Cooper or Paveda are injured, it's like that's fine. Like Strout can easily play there. We he might even be better than him. Paveda is not first choice anyway. But but I think it's between Melier and Bamford that are the two that I feel like these two players cannot be injured. <laughs> that, that's how I feel about our season. Yeah, it's a bit frustrating that we don't have the press conferences for these preseason games. Um, Because, mm. I mean, if 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 you want to be, you know, big Mister Glitzy Rad's PR man and uh, promote the club as some kind of global uh, energy sapping brand, like like uh, <laughs> Rad's wants to do, um, you'd think that they'd also be implementing these things like pre-season press conferences which i think all the big clubs would the you know the really glitzy big clubs would probably be doing i would guess but i i imagine it's just bielsa saying do i have to do it and the answer is no so he's like right well i'm not doing it then so yeah if this is not contractually obliged yeah i think we'll find out the answer on friday won't we when there's an, there's another friendly so given given um the lineup last night you'd expect probably expect to see Pervader, cooper Bamford uh, in there and, and maybe even some late minutes for Phillips I don't know or would that be too soon do you think I don't think we'll expect to see Phillips play apart from maybe against Ajax mm-hmm. okay so Tom Tom your soapbox what, what have you got uh, it's just a small thing really I just wondered if we can read anything into Greenwood being the only under 23s player other than the sub keeper obviously uh, involved last night um, it was a you know a small bench as Bielsa likes to do for these friendlies but he could have you know there were a lot of players who played 90 minutes in that um, game against Geisley or close to it so you know he, he brought Greenwood with him but he didn't bring drama he didn't bring any of the other players who played well in that game so I just wondered if this indicates anything about Greenwood or do we possibly think that that role was earmarked for Gelhart before he got injured good question Tom what do you think Hobbsy? 
Yeah, I, I think um, I think maybe it would have been get, it would have been Gail Harks. I think he was the one that was on the bench in the first team later on in the season. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think I wondered whether we might see Bate on the bench because uh, he's sort of he's come in with such a big um, reputation from Chelsea, but I guess they've decided he he just needs a bit more time to get up to speed with training and stuff. But I was quite surprised to not see him play any minutes in either of the games. I thought maybe they could have given him half an hour. It might be that he's not made weight yet because that's like a, a, hard, <laughs> yeah. a hard dividing line, isn't it? If you've not made True. it, then you're not going to play. Yeah, I thought it was noticeable. I think Greenwood looks like like he's ready for, for, like physically looks quite ready for men's football. And I don't know whether that was the case necessarily like last season. He looks a bit more physically developed he to me. He looks a lot um, more brown. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, you know, I, I thought he looked quite like Click. So on, on screen at times, and I think he was, he was wearing a number in the 40s as well. So I, I was trying to work out <laughs> who it was at times. Is that Click? Is it Greenwood? I thought, I thought it was funny to see him... Uh, not funny. That's the. I don't know why I said funny. It was interesting to see him uh, in that game to see like because he's really clean technically in the under twenty threes. Like, can he take it under control as quickly in in this game? I thought it seemed to bounce off him a little bit, and he seemed to have players on top of him before he could actually do anything a lot of the time. But he he uh, he did a few nice little touches, so it was good to see Sam in in there, and he's certainly in in the. Um, the group of under 23s players that, that could make it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, we're going to come on to that, um, actually, uh, now, because we, we wanted to have this as a kind of discussion point, because I think there's a, there's a kind of wider perception that there's a, there's a clear path to the, to the first team at Leeds for young players, and I thought it'd be good for us to have a chat about whether that's actually, um, actually true or not. So, Tom, um, what evidence is there for, for, it being, for it being true? So while, while Bielsa's been at Leeds, which players have made the step up and how have they done? I guess it... First of all, like it depends what you count as, as the step up. Do we say, you know, did Leif Davis make the step up? Uh, has Jamie Shackleton done it? Um, I guess if you take that as uh, the definition of what it is, you've got those two players. You've got Strauch, who is probably, uh, I get, well, he's definitely the biggest, um, has made the biggest contribution of any player from the under 23s uh, since Bielsa came. Uh, Jack Clark um, made the step up as well uh, before he his central nervous system got fried by caffeine or whatever it was um and not too many others really i can't can you think of any others hobsey well i would say that perveda and melier were, were first of all under 23s players i think perveda is is still sort of he's in that sort of halfway house but he gets he gets a good amount of sub minutes 
that you could say that hey, he's getting a few hundred developmental minutes in a season and that like Gelhart would love to have some of the minutes that, that Pervaders had last season. Uh, he would probably consider that a successful season this season if he got those. Um, and I would even throw Tyler Roberts into the mix because even though he was not an under-23s player, like when he first joined, was he 18, 19? Yeah, something yep. like that, yeah. And he he's made himself a part of the first team from a very early point, even though he didn't play lots and he had injuries and so on. He now over the last two seasons he's started to get himself serious minutes. Mm. So I I think he needs to be in the conversation. And Hobbsy, which um which players do you think could or maybe should have made the step up to get first team minutes over the last three years, do you think? Uh, additionally to the ones yeah. that that have um or maybe from those who who do you think could or should have got more minutes might be a useful extension to the question. Yeah, I mean like obviously I felt that Shackleton should have had a lot more than he had. I think that's shared by a good amount of people. I think that there's obviously a few reasons why he hasn't. So I think he's always had opportunities, which is what some players haven't had. And I think that for him it's because he's performed well when he's been given the opportunity. So someone like Davis... Ollie Casey, players that got small amounts of minutes but didn't kick on, I don't think that they actually played well enough in their first team games to to get other chances, whereas Shackleton played well enough to get other chances. But quite often he would then get injured and then he would find that his replacement would play well and he wouldn't get another chance. And then And then it became that his replacement was... Dallas playing out of position and I think that must have been a little bit frustrating knowing that he like Shackleton is a natural midfielder and he's not not getting that opportunity to play again but equally like last season you're not going to take Dallas out once he starts playing in that position and starts playing really well. And this is something you've touched on quite a few times, Hobbsy. I know it's something you're quite quite interested in. So t- tell me how big the step is from the under-23 level uh, in- into the first team, and particularly in the Premier League. I mean, I think if you think back to the uh, the cup games from last season, we played a League 1 team and a League 2 team, and uh, that that w- both games were were very bad for for those uh under 23s players so i think the uh the whole game did we play a sort of predominantly under 23s team in that game i think it was with roberts playing shackleton playing at right back and rodrigo playing alioski but but that's just a few players with and then mostly under 23s and then the crawley game we had a a mostly first team for the first half and then we brought on four under 23s or something and and suddenly it it collapsed um so that t- sort of tells you that the even though these players are probably better technically um their technical level sorry i mean the under 23s players are technically better sorry than the like, the lower league players um their technical level isn't so much better than them that it can cover for the fact that uh, these League 2 and League 1 players can physically bully them and have experience. And uh, you see it as well in the um, the EFL trophy games where uh, like elite academies play in that. And we, we played in it last year, but basically played like an under-18 team and got dicked. But the uh, Man United and... Chelsea and, and Arsenal put in under 21s teams and, and, and they still get beaten by Bristol Rovers and and teams like that. So um, it's a, and then when you think about the, the actual Premier League level, it's a vast chasm uh, how, how big the, the step up is. But I think it's doable if you're a high potential player coming into a really good team. So if Gelhart comes in to play with the rest of the first team, it's it's much less of an issue than it is if 
Gelhart comes into play with a team filled of other players that are also young and inexperienced. And and it's not just about ability, is it? Like, for example, how do you see Somerville's career going, Hobbsy? Uh, yeah, I get panned for this because I think he's going back to... I think he'll go back to Eredivisie in the long term. Mm. Um but, know, but to uh, be clear, that's not you saying that you think he's a bad player, is it? That's you no, saying no, something I, else. I think he's, I think he's really good, and he completely stands out in the under twenty threes mm. because in the under twenty threes, it's it's not a very tactically uh, intricate game, and so individual skills can really stand out. Um, so Somerville is an incredible dribbler, and so that makes him look like he's just on another level to everybody else that's that's playing. But I don't know if I see other things that I want to see from him. And obviously one of the things is I still think he looks built like a child. Um, and one one of the things that I... I said that the other day when it seemed like he was going to go to Camber, which I, th- I think he still is, I, I'm not sure. I was a bit surprised that he actually played the other night, so maybe he's not going on loan. Um but people were saying, well, what about Raheem Sterling? Like, that he looks similar you know, in build, and Raheem Sterling's made it to the level he's made it to. And I was like, yes, but he was playing for Liverpool at the age of 17. Like, he was so good technically, and the things that he was good at, he was so much better than everyone else at, that he was already in the team, like, when he was still a teenager. Somerville's 21 and, and playing for, for Leeds. Uh, on the bench. Oh, sorry, he might be nineteen. Either way, he's a few years older than um, than Sterling was when Sterling was already in. So I don't think it works to say, well, what about this world class player? Because that player is a is a world class player. And Tom, I think I've noticed some differences in the way that that we're bringing players through the the kind of youth groups now. Have you have you noticed anything about that, or any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, it does seem that we're making quite a lot of signings in that age group to kind of up the level of it. Um, And I suppose you'll always have cycles with an under-23s team when you get more or less... uh, Well, when you get under-18s teams graduating with more or less quality. And I know Hobbs has said in the past that anecdotally he's heard that our current under-18s aren't very good. So uh, because we've lost a lot of potential players to the Manchester clubs uh, over the time that the academies, you know, not, not been in the same, uh, I can't remember if it's category one or category A, uh, but, but it's had a long time without this status, which is considered, it's one of the things that parents are looking at when they're choosing which club their kids go to and stuff like that. So um, it, it makes sense to try and bring up the level of the, I, th- I mean, I think this is one area where Victor Orta has actually been very successful is making, smart signings for the under 23s and not necessarily ones that are ever going to bother our first team but ones that do raise the overall level of the under 23s side and I think that does help the other players uh, to be playing alongside slightly better players and also it, it you know the idea I guess in general is that if you know Bournemouth do exercise this option to buy Leaf Davis and we can assume that it's probably you know, maybe two or three million pounds. I, I, I don't know how much it would be, but that would be quite a significant profit on what we would have paid Morecambe. So um, I guess the idea is to sort of start doing the sort of abhorrent, like borderline uh, child <laughs> exploitation practices that people like clubs like Chelsea are doing. Uh, and, you know, that's the dream, a dream that we intend to live. <laughs> it, it, almost, it almost certainly is what we're doing. Um, we kind of think or, or we understand that there's kind of uh, an, a more elite group of, of younger players at the club at the moment. And, and in that, you'd probably include Gelhart, Greenwood, Drame, Bay. Anyone, am I missing anyone there? Uh, or, I think Cresswell, Cresswell, Cresswell. Will, be, will be in it. I don't, I don't think he'll be needed in, in this next season because we've got four good centre-backs with Ailing also able to step in there as needed. But um, I think Cresswell is one of the highest potential uh, youngsters. But this this elite group is is a thing that I think it was Phil Hare wrote about. It's it's, yeah, it's been actually it's a defined thing in the club, right? It's not something that we're just saying these players are better than others. So I guess the speculation is what which players the club includes in that you know category. Yeah, and I think I think those are players that they sort of feel will 
well, that or at least they have the highest hopes for in actually stepping in and playing good minutes. I, I think my, I love Gelhart and I've spoken about him loads, but I think the player that I think has the best chance of playing a decent amount of minutes anytime soon is Drame. And what what is it what is it that makes you say that Hobbsy? I think he's he's got similarities in his game to Ailing, so I I think uh, he carries the ball like Ailing does, which is um, vital. That's a really important tactical role in our team. Uh, so if a, if Drame can emulate that, then it wouldn't feel like such a big issue to have him in the team. Like if he wasn't able to do that, you're suddenly thinking, oh no, we've lost something. Uh, I think he looks built like a proper man uh, and that's really important I think people forget it because players like Messi have have come along and 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 people think that physicality isn't as important as it once was but uh, I'd still think it's enormously important and uh, yeah he's he's a proper uh, big lad Uh, he's a real athlete he's quick Um, I like that he um, he makes really good covering tackles and things like that. So I, I, I have my eye on him for this season. I think if any one of the 23s is going to start a game, he's the one that I would back. Mm. Tom? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm just going to have to be the boring vanilla missionary guy and uh, say Galhart <laughs> is the one that I'd like to see. Um, just a player who, every time I watch him, he looks... He looks like he's a senior player who's dropped down to playing in the, in the under-23s to me when yeah, he plays yeah. in it. So he's probably the one that I would uh, have the most hopes for. And, and from what I've seen, I'm also quite excited about Bate. He looks uh, to be a player who has a very good appreciation of space and how much time he has and uh, what he needs to do to to make sure that he doesn't get dispossessed and things like that. So, And I, and I think those are things that are very hard to teach. So I think you're, you've got a really good starting point if you're that kind of player at that age. Mm. Yep, and we know that Bielsa tends to um, have a have a, a group of senior players who he trusts who will play almost exclusively um, if if they're fit. So, so Tom, do you, do you think that that Gellhart's got a chance of breaking through that group? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, especially in a position where we only you know we only play one striker the vast majority of the time, and it does seem like Bielsa's now decided that Gellhart is a striker rather than you know someone who can play just or someone who's likely to play in midfield. So realistically, you are talking about Bamford getting injured, which would possibly result in Gellhart getting on the bench uh, and and getting the opportunity to come off the bench maybe if it's not quite working with Roberts or Rodrigo or whoever's playing. So I guess Gellhart has to be hoping for Paddy to break his leg, but obviously we don't want that to happen. We certainly don't. Do it, Hobbsy. <laughs> no, no. no, I'd have the, I would have the fear. <laughs> okay, well that that brings us to the end of that, and I thought it was a really interesting discussion. I don't know whether we drew any concrete conclusions, but I'm also not sure whether we needed to. Um, so thanks, thanks for that, guys. So just in terms of um, a couple of things to mention. So and I know that when I I host, I go on about this, but if you can review us and rate us on your podcast repository of choice, that would be uh, fantastic. I also just want to mention that that um, we're recording our new Patreon under 23's podcast with Thomas Wilson from Focus on Leeds um, on Monday and I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to that and I think it'd be a, a really good show um, have you got anything lined up for Arter's List Hobbsy? So we uh, will have something coming with uh, maybe looking at Cayusta a little bit more if that link goes further we, we briefly chatted about the principle of uh, of what signing him would be like um, and why we might do that. If that becomes a genuine thing, we'll probably make that into a bit more of a proper report on him. Uh, and yeah, we've tended to fly a bit by the seat of our pants with um, Alter's List because so many uh, links have come up. So between now and then, we'll probably get another two uh, player rumours that we'll explore. Excellent. And uh, yeah, and you can find the the Alter's List and the 23s um 
podcast on our on our Patreon account, and if you want to sign up for that, um, it's really it's for what what's the phrase for a, the price of a pint of coffee or something? Um, you can you can a sign up for a pint of coffee. Pint of coffee. Well, you do not go to Nero Hobbsy. Come on, um, and you can you can sign up for that by going to www.patreon.com forward slash All Stats Aren't We, and we would be very grateful and happy to to have you along. Um, I think that's everything. So all that remains uh, to do now is to say thank you, Tom. Thank you. And thanks, Hobsey. Cheers, mate. Bye then. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.